Hi, I'm Anaika She, and She Talks Crime. Hello? Let's imagine that you have a friend, and your friend is about 60 or 70 years old, they're pretty old, and they have a chronic health condition. They're in and out of the hospital, they're constantly in pain, they aren't having a good quality of life. And this friend comes to you one day and asks you to help them assist themselves in dying. They want to end their suffering and they want you to help them. I want you to ask yourself, Do you think that you could play God? Do you think that you could end someone else's life because you think it would help them? That's what today's case is about. In Pennsylvania, registered nurse Heather Presti killed 17 of her patients because she felt bad, quote unquote, for their quality of life. Let's get into the case. Heather Presti is a 41-year-old former registered nurse from Natrona Heights, Pennsylvania. Now, whenever I cover a case, I think it's really important to find background and to get insight on the subject or criminal at hand because I think it's important to understand the mind and the upbringing and the circumstances that would lead to someone committing the crime that they commit. But because this case is so fresh, it's ongoing, she was literally arrested uh, of May this year, there isn't a ton of information out there about who Heather Presley, the woman, actually is. I haven't seen any of her family or friends come to defend her character. We don't know if she has siblings. I don't know if she has children. I don't know if she has pets. I don't know where she went to school. But what we do have is a glimpse of who she is through her cell phone. Through a search warrant, investigators were able to obtain her personal items, including her cell phone, where they found really weird things that really showed us who she is. They found that she had a deep obsession with death and murder. It was in her text messages. It was in her Google searches. It was in the videos she clicked, the links that she watched. It was all over her phone and not to a normal degree. Like you and I, we may enjoy true crime here and there, but we won't Google certain things on how to kill people. You know what I mean? But her text thread with her mother was the most telling. On three separate instances, she threatened to kill a guy from Taco Bell, the pizza guy, and a guy from Arby's. Now, this could be anything. This could not mean anything at all because we all know what it's like to have a bad interaction with a stranger and to be really annoyed and peeved about it for the rest of the day. Now, we might even jokingly to our friends texting me like, I'm going to kill this guy. He is so annoying, but it gets more alarming. She also texted her mom, quote, I can't with this lady. She's going to get pillow therapy, end quote which is her joking about suffocating one of her patients. And now you may still want to give her the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, she's just joking. But it doesn't feel like joking when other nurses tell police that she religiously said that some patients just needed to die. She even texted her mother about her coworkers saying, quote, this nurse may die today. And I don't know about you guys, but I cannot get off so many 
threatening death murder jokes with my mother before she's concerned but maybe that's the kind of relationship she had with her mother maybe you could say that everybody's different in their personal relationships with people they're close to everybody shows worse characteristics of themselves you know to people they're comfortable with and i'm gonna say to you this is something that she's comfortable showing to the world because she made a facebook post saying may kill a doctor today this is something she's comfortable saying she is comfortable threatening and threatening murder on multiple people that she encounters no matter how small the inconvenience or the circumstance is now from those text messages alone i feel like it's safe to assume that she has a short temper she's probably somebody who's easily angered or maybe just irritable but when you find out that she worked at 11 different healthcare facilities in Pennsylvania from 2018 to present, and at each of them, she was disciplined and reprimanded for abusive behavior towards not only patient and staff, and that's why she was fired or had to resign from each of those locations, it puts a far more sinister view on the person we're dealing with. Also, another random fact, before her nursing career, she was actually a vet tech. She would assist with putting animals to sleep for different procedures that they would go under for. And that was surprising to me because if she's abusing people and patients that can speak, what was she doing to animals that can't? From 2020 to 2023, Heather worked at five different healthcare facilities. First, she was at Concordia at Rebecca Residence for six months, then Bel Air Healthcare and Rehabilitation for 10 months, then Quality Life Services Chikora for six months, Premier Armstrong Rehabilitation for one month, and then Sunnyview Rehabilitation Nursing Center from January of this year to May of this year when she was arrested and accused of killing two patients and attempting to kill a third by intentionally administering excessive amounts of insulin. Once arrested, Heather and her attorneys were completely cooperative. She fully admitted to her crimes. She admitted that she intended to harm and kill those patients. She was charged with two counts of homicide, one count of attempted murder, one count of aggravated assault, three counts of neglect of a care-dependent person, and three counts of reckless endangerment. But she was cooperative because she was waiting for the other shoe to drop. There were more victims. Literally a week ago, last Thursday, November 2nd, Attorney General Michelle Henry added an additional 19 other victims to the case. And guess what? Heather fully admitted to those 19 other victims. She was then charged with two counts of murder in the first degree, 17 additional counts of attempted murder, and 19 additional counts of neglect of a care-dependent person. Out of her 22 victims, 19 of them died, and they were all between the ages of 43 and 104 years old. Here's how she did it. Heather would typically work overnight shifts. And now if you've ever had any sort of job, you know we all have a love-hate relationship with overnight shifts. Everybody loves them because it's quieter. You get to do your work in peace. Less of your coworkers around, less of your bosses are around. It's just a more peaceful environment where you're able to freely do whatever you want. But 
You just have to fight to stay awake because you're tired and you're going against your normal routine. But Heather used this to her advantage. She waited when staff was low and when the floor was quiet. And that's when she would go into the rooms of the patients that she was in care of and she would inject them with synthetic insulin. She had a structured and well thought out plan that she followed for each of her victims. She took steps to ensure that not only would she harm them, but that she would kill them. For each of her victims, she st typically started out with 60 units of insulin of short-acting insulin. If that didn't work, she would either add an additional 60 more units of insulin or she would create an air embolism, which is basically when air gets into a vein or an artery and it's very dangerous. Now, all this medical terminology probably means nothing to you because it meant nothing to me because I'm not in the medical field. I don't have the knowledge and the context to understand the gravity of what she was doing. I don't know how much insulin you typically give someone when you give it or anything like that but I know someone who does one of my closest friends of over a decade has been in nursing for over seven years she started as a LPN which is a licensed practical nurse nurses have a lot of initials that are sometimes hard to remember but try to keep up she then later became an RN which is a registered nurse which is also the same thing that Heather Presby is she also got her bachelor's degree in nursing and she has a lot of experience in geriatric and rehabilitation which is around the same field of the places that Heather Presby worked. She works in the ICU, which is the intensive care unit. She's in school for anesthesiology and works in the operating room as well. 90% of her patients are either geriatric and adult, similar to Heather Presby, and 75% of her patients are diabetic. So this is someone who has a full knowledge and context for what was going on with Heather and what her job was because she has had similar patients to her. So I asked her some questions. We started with insulin. She explained to me that insulin is a hormone produced by the body that takes sugar out of the blood and stores it in your muscles for later use. People who have diabetes, whether type one or type two, they don't have enough insulin. So they get synthetic insulin, which is what you see most diabetics will go to the hospital and get. Now, insulin can be given to you either in an injection subcutaneously, which is, you know, through the muscle, or it could be in very extensive dire circumstances, they will give it in an IV. So it'll go directly into your veins. Now, there's two types of insulin. There's long-acting and short-acting. Long-acting insulin releases along a 24-hour time frame, whereas short-acting will release fairly quickly within an hour. Now, this is where it gets interesting. When I asked her, how do you know how much units of insulin to give someone? Like, what is that based off of? She explained to me that there's actually a tool that most nurses use. There's a sliding scale that's based on the patient's blood sugar. And it's a tool that will tell you exactly what dosage to give someone. So, for example, and this is hypothetical, I'm not a nurse. If your blood sugar is 50, the scale will tell you to give them exactly two units of insulin. That's how the scale works. And you know what she told me? That that scale only goes up to 12 units for short acting insulin. 
Remember when I said that Heather Presdy gave all of her victims 60 units? My friend told me that she has never heard of anyone giving someone 60 units of short-acting insulin because anything over 50 is lethal. She told me she typically gives her patients about two to six units of short-acting insulin on any given day, and also long-acting insulin is done by units per hour, and the most she's ever heard of is giving 10 units an hour. So this can really show you how dangerous what Heather Presdy was really doing to her patients. She was giving them six times the normal amount of insulin that somebody could probably take in one sitting. And now you may even say to yourself, oh, but you know, her patients are diabetic. Maybe she thought they needed extra if you want to give her the benefit of the doubt. The worst part of it is most of Heather Presti's victims weren't even diabetic. Now, I had to ask my friend this because I've never heard of a scenario where you give someone who's not diabetic insulin, but my friend did tell me there are few and rare scenarios where you can give someone who isn't diabetic insulin. For example, steroids, people who take steroids, they can typically have high blood sugar. So in those cases, you could give a non-diabetic insulin. But none of Heather's patients had a high steroid use and giving insulin to somebody who does not need it and especially at the volume she was giving it could be deadly and Heather Presley knew it. And like I said, she went to great lengths to make sure that her victims would die. So if she didn't get to kill them with the initial 60 units of insulin, she would double it up. And if that didn't work, she would give them an air embolism. Now, I didn't know what an air embolism was until my friend explained it to me. And it's basically just air flowing through your body through either a vein or an artery. And it can do a lot of damage. It can block off blood flow to different areas of the body and it can cause organ death which will lead to a person dying and my friend also explained to me that air embolisms are something that is deeply ingrained in nurses to not do they take extra precaution to make sure that every injection they give all the ivs that they give they have to tap it a lot to make sure there's no air bubbles because air embolisms are and can be very deadly. Now that we have a better understanding of about how much insulin is distributed per patient and things like that, my next question was, how was she able to obtain this much medication? We all know medical facilities do not have an endless supply of medicine and medicine is not cheap. So how was she able to take that much medicine without the hospitals being aware? My friend explained to me that most hospitals use a machine called a Pixis machine. It basically keeps track of all the medication in the hospital and it also keeps track of each medical staff that requests to take medicine out so you can easily go back to the machine and see that oh Jessica took out two units of insulin at 2 p.m. Randy took out 
two Tylenols at 8 p.m., whatever medicine that they use at the hospital. So there should be a really clear record of all of the insulin that she was taking out. But my friend explained to me that at a lot of nursing homes and older medical facilities, they don't have such updated machines. They use something called a medication cart, which is exactly what Heather liked to work. She liked to work the medication cart, which is exactly as it sounds. It's just a big cart full of a bunch of different medicines. And obviously something like that is much harder to keep track of where the medicine's going, who's giving it to who. So that's how she was able to get away with it. My friend also explained to me that at a lot of hospitals and medical facilities, they have a common nickname that they will give to a particular nurse. It's called the angel of death, and it's reserved for a nurse who has a lot of deaths on her hands. Um, Medical staff and professionals, they keep up and keep track of their patients and the patients of their coworkers and colleagues. They care for the people that come in seeking help. So they will notice if, hmm, you've had three deaths in the past two weeks and everybody else thought that your patient would make it. So how is it that Heather Presti was able to go from one facility to the next facility, to the next facility, to the next facility, and a fifth facility continuing to kill her patients and nobody notices anything? But that's the thing. Her coworkers and colleagues did notice and they reported her multiple times. But guess what? The hospitals and the medical facilities failed those victims every time. Her coworkers and colleagues at all five of those medical facilities reported their concerns, filed complaints against this nurse, and they reported to administrators, and still nothing happened. Even a physician went to the Department of Health in 2022 with his concerns of her harming and killing patients, and still nothing happened. After many complaints, though, she was suspended so that the medical facility could conduct an investigation but guess what their investigation found that no identifiable evidence uncovered supported the claims of her co-workers and so she continued to work her co-worker said that she religiously said that her patients just needed to die with her 104 year old victim after multiple staff and medical personnel reported that the 104 year old was up was cognizant was able to use the bathroom on their own and was doing better heather reportedly said and quote when is she gonna die already in disgust to her co-workers and guess what that 104 year old did end up dying in heather presti's care her nurses reported that Heather's patients foamed at the mouth and that's something that they had never seen in their professional career they knew that something was up. And you're probably wondering, why would she do this? Why would Heather kill so many innocent people? And you want to know her justification for it? She, quote, felt bad for their quality of life. And she had hoped that they would just slip into a coma and pass away. And I'm going to tell you that that is a load of bull. 
Heather did not care about the well-being of her patients. She didn't care about their quality of life. She didn't want their pain to ease and end. She wanted to play God and she did what she did because she wanted to. Now, I don't have all the names of the victims, but I do have their stories and I'm going to read to you all 22 victims' stories and what Heather Presby did to them so that you can understand why this case is so upsetting and why she she deserves to be in jail. At the first medical facility she worked at in 2020, she had five victims. At the second one, she had three victims. At the third one, she had two victims. And you would think that, oh, maybe she's coming to her senses. She's killing less, whatever the case may be. At the last place that she worked, Sunnyview, she had six victims and she killed up until the very month that she was arrested and I have no doubt in my mind that if she wasn't arrested she would have continued killing till this day. This is from triblive.com who compiled all of the victims stories from the criminal complaint filed by the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office. On August 9th, 2021, a 58-year-old woman died. She was not insulin-dependent diabetic, but she was admitted to the hospital for low blood sugar after being found unresponsive. When she returned to Bel Air, the hospital that Heather worked at the time, she showed no signs of low blood sugar. She was found dead the next day. Presby admitted to having given the patient 60 units of insulin within two hours of her death. Presby told the police the patient, quote, looked like an animal would, helpless and like she needed something. On September 28, 2021, a 68-year-old non-diabetic woman died while under the direct care of Presby, who told the police she'd given the patient 100 units of short-acting insulin because she was unable to breathe. The woman died three hours after the injection. On November 16, 2021, a 79-year-old man died after receiving 100 units of insulin from Presby. The man was not diabetic. On December 28, 2021, a 92-year-old non-diabetic woman died only two days after an LPN documented her as pleasant and oriented. Presby, who assumed the patient's care on December 27th, admitted to giving the patient 60 units of insulin. On February 24, 2022, an 88-year-old man suffering from a hypoglycemic incident but did not die, he was sent to the hospital where a doctor concluded insulin was administered to the non-diabetic. Presby told the police she gave the man 100 units of insulin. The man died several months later. On May 20th, 2022, an 83-year-old woman who was not a diabetic was hospitalized for severe low blood sugar. The woman survived the incident. Presby admitted to investigators that she injected the woman with insulin. On August 6, 2022, a 92-year-old man who was not diabetic died after receiving 60 units of insulin from Presby during a seizure. On November 6, 2022, a 99-year-old non-diabetic woman died after receiving 60 units of insulin from Presby. On December 18, 2022, a 90-year-old woman died. Presby noted the patient was having episodes of sleep apnea but did not alert doctors or provide intervention. Presby admitted to giving 60 units of insulin to the patient before she died. 
On December 27, 2022, an 85-year-old woman was taken to the hospital with sluggish speech and a high temperature, which is a symptom of hypoglycemia. Presdy admitted to giving the patient, who was not diabetic, 60 units of insulin on the day she was taken to the hospital. The woman luckily survived. On January 21, 2023, an 80-year-old woman died after being in the direct care of Presdy. Presdy gave the diabetic 60 units of insulin reportedly to keep the patient's oxygen levels up. On March 21, 2023, an 104-year-old woman who was not diabetic died after other staff indicated that she was doing well and able to walk to the bathroom. Presdy, according to co-workers, called the patient disgusting and asked, when is she going to die? Presdy admitted to giving that patient 60 units of insulin. On March 24, 2023, a 78-year-old woman died after suffering respiratory issues. Presdy told the police she gave the patient 60 units of insulin, and when the patient did not die, she gave her another 60 units. The next day, on March 25, a 90-year-old man died under Presdy's dis- direct care. Presdy admitted to giving him excess long-acting insulin, and when that didn't work, she gave two 10-milliliter flushes to the patient's port in order to cause an embolism and lead to death. On April 17, 2023, an 82-year-old woman who was a non-insulin-dependent diabetic and suffering from cancer was being discharged to die at home with her family. A staffer told police that Presdy said the patient, quote, needed to die and on the morning of her death administered insulin and then a syringe of air into the patient's pick line to create an embolism. Her final victim was on May 1st, 2023. A 43-year-old man died. Presdy admitted to giving the man more insulin than he should have received. It's so disgusting, heartbreaking, and just devastating what this lady did. And I think it's so important to not just leave it at, oh, the nurse who had 22 victims. We need to know those victims' names. And the only reason I couldn't get it is because it wasn't released to the public. So I know in my heart of hearts that you needed to hear that because when I read it, I was heartbroken. I I couldn't believe it. And even especially the 104-year-old, getting to past age 90 is a miracle. And we all pray for it for all of our grandparents and all the elderly people we know. And for that 104-year-old lady to be making a recovery and being good and for Presdy to take her life just because she decided is disgusting and irredeemable in my opinion. I even asked my friend if this was normal. Is it normal for nurses and doctors to complain about their patients, to joke about wanting them to die or things like that? Because maybe it makes sense in the context of the hospital. Maybe non-medical people just don't understand that kind of banter because they're not in that sort of situation. And my friend explained to me that when you're around death as much as nurses and doctors are, you do become numb to it to a degree. 
So many nurses complain, many doctors complain, but they're more so complaining about the workload that it takes to take care of somebody who is going to die. They're in the intensive care unit and a lot of people don't end up making it out. So it doesn't ring alarm bells when a nurse just says, oh my goodness, oh, this man, he, I think he's going to go soon. Like, and it's just taking so much, you know what I mean? It's not that alarming when it does happen. But she also told me that as much as nurses and doctors complain, they never bring harm to their patients. No matter how much the workload is, they would never intentionally aim to harm their patients just to ease their workload. If you're watching the YouTube visuals of this podcast, you'd realize I look a little different. That's because it's been a few days. I told you guys that this is a fresh and ongoing investigation, which means that new information is coming out every single day, including an article that I found yesterday from the Post-Gazette giving us a thorough and detailed timeline of events with Heather Presti. This gives us a whole new level of information about her who she is and what she did, including the fact, if you remember earlier, I told you that she was a vet tech. Well, turns out she was a vet tech for 14 years at the Pittsburgh Veterinary Specialty and Emergency Center. But before that, she went to the Community College of Allegheny County in 2003, but she didn't graduate then. She went back in 2016 and earned her nursing degree in 2018. This was only her fifth year nursing, not to mention that her license was suspended in July of this year due to the charges. But when I found out that she was a vet tech for 14 years, it raised alarm bells in me because most of the people I know, when you dedicate that many years of your life to a specific career, and not only a specific career, but to a specific job, most people wouldn't have such a sudden career switch. So it made me wonder, why did Heather Presdy become a nurse? And I wondered it even more when I realized she graduated college in May of 2018. And after getting her first nursing job, December 2018, that same year, she was already getting counseled for improper administration of insulin. And then it made me wonder it even more when not even two years into her career, she already attempted to kill her patients with insulin. She was doing this from the very beginning. And you know what that tells me? me, she became a nurse not to help, but to harm. This was her way of doing what she wanted. She knew that if she became a nurse, she could fly under the radar and she could do what she wanted. And exactly what she wanted to do is what she did when she harmed all of those people. And this further proves that her saying that these were mercy killings is nonsense. Many people close to the case agreed that there was a sense and a level of cruelty to this. One person said in reference to Presdy, quote, there is this pervasive sense of perceived mistreatment and she's somehow entitled to punish these individuals for their perceived slights. And you know what those slights were? Them living through extensive health circumstances when she thought that they should die instead.
She wasn't killing these people out of the kindness of her heart. She wasn't doing this to be nice. She was doing this because it was a sick game to her. And you know how much of a game it was? One of the nurses who was taking care of one of her victims before Presti was talking to the patient, was telling him how much she loved him and she wanted him to take care of himself because she wanted to see him again. Presti allegedly heard this conversation and thought it was gross. She did not like that. And the next day, that man was dead in the care of Presdi. And you know what she did? She went up to that same nurse, slapped her on the back and said, I'm so sorry to hear that the patient died. At least you got to say your final goodbyes. She wanted her to know that he was dead. That is sick. And it reminds me of serial killers who go back to the scene of the crime so that they could relive it, get their adrenaline pumping. This was a game to her. She was not sorry. Oh, but is she the sorriest person in the world right now? Her attorneys say she is incredibly remorseful. You know what she's really sorry for? The fact that in Pennsylvania, the death penalty is still a legal punishment. And you know what constitutes the death penalty? Capital offenses. And you know what's a capital offense? Murder. Just one murder is enough for you to be considered for the death penalty, and she did it 17 times, so it's definitely on the table for her. I wondered to myself, why is she being so cooperative? As soon as she was charged and as soon as the accusations came, she immediately admitted it. She immediately told officers and investigators exactly what she did. She did not deny any of them, and she admitted to all of them fully. You know why? Because her and her attorneys want to strike up a plea deal so that death penalty is off the table. Isn't that convenient? But even if she was given a death penalty, I'm sure she'd be happy to know that Pennsylvania hasn't executed somebody since 1999. So there's that. Heather Presdy is currently being held at Butler County Prison without bail. She waived the rights to her preliminary hearing, and there is a status conference set for November 21st. A status conference is when attorneys and judges meet to set a trial date or to update each other on information in the case. I highly encourage all of you to keep up with the status of this case, and I hope and pray that justice is served. Now, this may be the second episode of this podcast, but it's definitely not the second case that I've ever seen. I am a true crime fan like most of you guys, and I have heard thousands of cases, I'm sure, at this point. And all of them are touching in different ways, but few of them incite a visceral reaction in me. And this case literally makes me sick to my stomach. Like, I'm angry right now. And I feel like it's important when I do research on cases that I process the information, I understand the angle that I want to take on it, and I make sure to convey that same feeling that I have to all of you. Because if I'm passionate, maybe it'll make you passionate. I feel incredibly sorry, so sorry to these families of these victims, because for the rest of their lives, how are they going to deal with the fact when they go to the hospital, they're going to have to constantly wonder if all of the staff is on board, if everyone there is actually there to help. How are they going to sleep at night knowing that somebody who was, whose job it is to help, to serve, to protect and preserve life took theirs away? It really hurts me. It breaks my heart. And I, I don't know what else to say.
All of the information and articles that I use for my research are in the description box. And I hope that this case touched you the way that it touched me. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Hello? Hello?